Morning, church. So good to see everyone today. I uh, wasn't with you last week, obviously. Appreciate Bruce preaching last week. Um, I was able to go to Abilene Christian to their lectureship called The Summit and heard lots and lots and lots of phenomenal speakers. Was able to worship with Sydney and Justin at the Oldham Lane Church of Christ. Maybe y'all are familiar with that uh, in Abilene. So it was good to, uh, good to be gone, but it's good to be back. We still have some folks out on mission trips. Rodney and Doc are still on a mission trip. James and uh, Paul Stevenson just got back. They had a good, they said, productive trip. Um, Jeff Simpson, Adam Spencer are gone as well. So we still have folks out on mission trips. That's always a good thing that members of your congregation are constantly going on mission trips. So um, it's good to be with you today. Let me show you three numbers as we begin. They may not mean anything to you, but 451 is what we averaged in worship the first quarter of this year. 462 is what we averaged the second quarter. And this quarter we're averaging 486. So that's pretty incredible. So we, uh, our numbers are up, and numbers are an indication of some things that are good. But our numbers are up everywhere. Small group numbers are up. Um, youth group numbers, children's ministry numbers, our Hispanic church numbers. And Juan, who was up here earlier, has even contributed to numbers. He and Paloma just had a baby. <laughs> so they're, uh, they'll, they're helping us with numbers. And uh, just in case you didn't know, the last Sunday of each month, our Hispanic brothers and sisters worship with us. And we have them uh, reading scripture and saying the prayers and they are a part of us. We are a part of them. And uh, once a month, they worship with us. So today's that day. And Juan's back there in the back translating. You don't see him, and I have no clue what he's saying I'm saying. It's always interesting. We are in a series from the book of Acts. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. If you're not familiar, let me begin with this illustration. In Weatherford, Oklahoma, where I'm from, just north of town, not a very big town, about two miles north of town, they had a gypsum plant. Don't know if you're familiar with gypsum, but there is gypsum in the earth, rock, big layers of rock, and the only way to get that out is to use dynamite. And so growing up, every so often, you might hear, and they still have it, you would hear sometimes an explosion. If you didn't hear the explosion, you would sometimes feel the explosion from that ripple effect. They would blow up that gypsum into smaller chunks, more manageable chunks, and then they would crush that. And some people would use gypsum on roads, and some people would use it for, as you see, construction entrances. And sometimes they use gypsum for sheetrock. But every so often there would be an explosion because they would use dynamite. And we would feel the ripple effect of that explosion. That's what's going on in the book of Acts. There's an explosion in the book of Acts. God shows up in power in the book of Acts. And as we see in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, Hey, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem. Because here's what's going to happen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> you will receive Power. There's going to be an explosion. It's the word dunamis in the Greek from which we get the word 
dynamite. There's going to be an explosion of power, an explosion of the Word of God throughout the book of Acts. And so that's what we've been noticing is God's power. And so it showed up in chapter 1. It showed up, God showed up in chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, and God pours His Spirit out on the apostles, and they speak in tongues, and God pours His Spirit into Christ's followers that day. And God still wants to show up today, and God still wants to pour His Spirit into us today. God still wants to empower Christ's followers today. And so that's what we find in the book of Acts. We find the Christian movement, and it spreads rapidly. The spread of Christianity obviously is not accomplished by human effort. And Luke, the writer, wants us to know that. The only way Christianity spread, and the only way Christianity still spreads, is through the power of God empowering Christ's followers to be witnesses. That word witness shows up 30 times in this book called Acts. Today our text is going to be Acts chapter 3, and we're going to see God show up Again, in a powerful way. And when God shows up, amazing things happen. When God shows up, there are no limitations. When God shows up, there are no barriers. When God shows up, there are no gates that can contain Him. So let's read in Acts chapter 3. I put the first part up here. You can follow along. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have. But what I have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So here's what's going on. Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray. Devout Jews, there were three times during the day that devout Jews, even after Jews became Christians, three times during the day that were dedicated to prayer. Nine in the morning, straight up noon, and three in the afternoon. So it's three in the afternoon, and it's a time of prayer, and we're introduced to a man whose name we don't know. We're introduced to a man whose name really isn't the important name in this story. But we're introduced to a man, and we're going to learn about a different name. We're going to learn about the name of Jesus, but this man's name is evidently not as important. Here's what we know about this man. He's crippled from birth. He's never walked. Never. And so he's crippled. He's blemished. He's defective. He's... Flawed. He's someone that society has learned to ignore. And he had to be carried to the temple gate. Obviously, he can't walk. He's helpless. He's unable. He needs someone to take him to the temple gate. He's carried to this temple gate and he's put there every day. He's placed there. This is his spot. This is his parking place. This is his routine. This is his 
daily schedule. This is His life every day. And He's put there to beg, depending on other people. Depending on other people, forced to ask for help. Not only is He crippled, now He's it's humiliating and it's embarrassing. You ever had to beg for something? Ever have to beg and ask somebody for money? Having a little trouble getting by, need a few dollars just to get by, the bills are too much, paycheck's not enough, maybe a couple hundred dollars. Have you ever had to beg? Have you ever had to ask somebody, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, hey, can you just, can you just spot me a couple hundred dollars? Then you can relate to this guy. And he's placed at the temple gate. He's placed at the temple gate. You might not know this, but there were actually nine gates that led from the court of the Gentiles into the temple itself. And this temple gate was called beautiful. This man is placed at the gate called beautiful. Isn't that interesting? Because there's probably not much about his life that's beautiful. And yet he's placed at the gate called beautiful every day. His life is flawed. He's crippled. He's blemished. He's defective. He's He's not feeling beautiful, and that's where he's placed every day. You read in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 21, no man who has any defect may come near. No man who's blind or lame, disfigured or deformed. No man with a crippled foot or hand. I mean, that's, that's the rules. That's God's law. He could be placed outside the gate, but he's not allowed in the gate. You didn't bring defective animals in as sacrifices. You didn't let defective people come into the temple. That's this guy. So this man's forced to be on the outside of the gate, on the outside of the gate. Isn't it interesting that the temple has gates? I mean, we love gates, don't we? Gates keep people out. Gates allow the right people in. Gates protect. Gates keep us safe. I like what Jonathan Stormont writes in his book, How to Start a Riot. He says, every society has managed to create some form of gated communities. You see, inside the gate, we don't have to look. Inside the gate, we don't have to notice. Inside the gate, we can ignore. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16? The Bible says, There was a rich man who lived in luxury every day. At his gate was a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores. And that's the way the rich man liked it. Let's keep the beggar on the outside. I don't have to pay attention. I can ignore the sores. And he was on the outside. Makes me wonder, have we created a gated church? You know what a gated church is. We, we develop just enough rules, just enough barriers to keep the folks we don't want in. We keep them gated outside the gate. I wonder if we've made it difficult. I wonder if we've gated the church in such a way that we just let the folks in that, you know, that we kind of like, that are kind of like us. This man was outside the gate. Have you ever been on the outside? You ever been on the outside looking in? Wanting to be in some club? Wanting to be in some organization? Just wanting somebody to notice? You ever been on the outside? Just wanting to be included. Every day he watched the people walk by. Every day he watched people who could walk. The people who could go inside the temple. The people allowed to go in the temple. The people permitted to go in the temple. The people who had access to go in the temple. Kind of makes the scripture even more powerful, don't you think? And so Jesus suffered 
outside the city gate to make the people holy through His blood. Romans 5 says, through Jesus Christ, we've gained access. Isn't it interesting that Jesus died outside the city gates so that we could go in the city of heaven outside the gate? That's where this man is. And he sees Peter and John about to enter the temple. And he might not even know who they are. Just some more people walking by. Just the crowd going by. And he sees another opportunity to beg for money. Another opportunity, maybe somebody will drop a few coins. Another opportunity, maybe just a little connection. Maybe a little community. Maybe someone will just notice. Maybe someone will realize I exist. Another opportunity. And he sees them. And he asks them for money. And they stop. I mean, they stop. I get the impression most people are just going to walk by. They stop. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Peter and John noticed, and they stopped. We don't always stop, though, do we? I mean, have you ever driven by something for a while, maybe for years, and you say, when did that go up there? I was driving my mom around. It must have been May or June, and we came to stop sign, and my mom said, when did they put that stop sign up there? I said... About 40 years ago, Mom. But I guess she hadn't noticed. Sometimes we don't notice things. Sometimes we don't notice people. Sometimes we don't want to notice people. Ever been over on 4th Street around Sam's or Walmart? People at the corners holding up the signs. Need food, need a job, need help. I mean, that line just can't go fast enough, can it? I mean, of all the days for it to be crowded, you just want to blow right by that stop sign. Sometimes we try our best to... The last thing we want to do is make eye contact because we don't want to notice. We don't want to see those people. And there's people walking in now the temple. They don't want to notice this guy. They don't want to make eye contact with this guy. But Peter and John notice this man. And Peter says, look at us. And the man gave them his attention. I get the impression when he, when he asked for money, he must have been looking down. Maybe he heard footsteps. Maybe he just kind of saw from the waist down. And Peter said, look at us. Peter wanted to make eye contact with this guy. And he looked up expecting to get something from them. Peter said, we don't have any money. Maybe even referring to the gate called beautiful. He said silver and gold because the temple was ornate. The temple was covered in silver and gold and bronze. And maybe Peter even used that as an illustration and said, yeah, we don't have any of this stuff. We don't have what you're asking for. But we do have something to give in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Walk. And you saw the scripture. Peter takes him by the right hand and he helps him up and instantly... He gains strength instantly. His feet and ankles become strong and he jumps to his feet and he begins to walk and he goes with them into the temple and he's walking and jumping and praising God and the people recognized him. Peter and John weren't given handouts that day. They were giving heel outs that day. And check this out. I, I like the terminology. He went with them into the temple. He went with them into the temple. For the first time ever, he walks. For the first time ever, he jumps. For the first time ever, he leaps for joy. And for the first time ever, he's no longer on the outside. For the first time ever, he gets to go inside. 
and worship God on the inside. Not to say that he couldn't worship God on the outside, but, you know, everybody went inside to connect with God. Everybody went inside. And for the first time ever, he gets to go inside the gate. This man has never walked. He's never jumped. He's never leaped for joy. And he's never been inside the gates. But today, he's on the inside. Today, he gets to go in. Today, he gets to walk. And today, his life changes. But I want you to know that he's not the main character in this story. Maybe that's why his name is not mentioned. He's not the main character. And as awesome as it is that this man is healed, and as awesome as it is that this man walks, as awesome as it is that there's a miracle and he gets to go on the inside, this isn't the main character in this story. Here's what happens. The people begin to notice this man and the people are amazed and they're filled with wonder and the people start gathering around because this man used to be on the outside and Peter notices a crowd and like any preacher would do when you have a crowd, he preaches. Let me read. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in the name of Jesus and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets in the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent, them, sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Peter wants them to know that the main character in this story is not the man who was crippled and has been recreated. The main character in God's story has always been Jesus. And Peter, as we see in all the sermons in Acts, the emphasis of the sermons in Acts is on Jesus. The emphasis is on Jesus Christ, and how God raised him from the dead, and how the power of God has raised him from the dead. The main story is Jesus Christ, and the name of Jesus is important. That's why he said, we didn't heal this guy. By the name of Jesus, this man was healed. In chapters 3 and chapter 4, eight times we're going to hear about the name of Jesus, because there's power in a name. 
Have you ever had someone ask you, hey, can I use your name on a job application? Can I use your name as a reference? Because they think for some reason your name has power and your name carries some authority. And we know with job applications and job references, if you can just get the right name, it carries some weight. The only important name in chapter 3 and in chapter 4 is the name of Jesus Christ. Peter wants them to know, listen, you murdered Jesus. You killed the Messiah. You acted in ignorance. But that was all part of God's plan. That was part of God's story. You killed the author of life. But you didn't kill the story. Because God raised the author of life back. The power is in Jesus and the power as in God is in God. Every sermon is about Jesus and that's God's story. And so he says, if you'll repent and if you'll turn to God, you will experience times of refreshing. God will pour His Spirit into your soul and your soul will be refreshed. And even though this crippled man was healed... This is nothing compared to what Jesus can do in our lives. There's an explosion that continues a ripple effect throughout Acts. And we're just in chapter 3 and we're still experiencing the power of God. And God pours out His Spirit to those who will follow Him. And God still wants to pour out His Spirit in us today. I like what Jonathan Stormont writes again. He says, Church is not supposed to be a gated community. Church is a verb. Church is not where we go to see God. Church is where we go to learn to see God everywhere else. Church is where we learn that the power of God is everywhere, not just inside the gates, not just inside these walls, not just for us. The main character in Acts 3 is not the crippled man. The main character in God's story is always Jesus Christ. The good news is about Jesus Christ. The good news is that God raised Him from the dead. And if you'll put your trust into the name of Jesus, that's why in Acts chapter 2 it says, if you'll be baptized into the name of Jesus, there's power in that name. Folks, God's not limited to being inside the gates of the temple. God's not limited by any walls. God's not limited by our theology. God's not limited by our beliefs. God's not limited by our religion. God's not limited by any of our boundaries. God is not limited except by the gates we put on our hearts. You see, in our story, it's God who's outside the gates and He just wants to come in. It's God who's outside the gates of our hearts. And God just wants to come into our lives and pour His Spirit into our lives. And as we read in the Bible, our our bodies are temples of God. It's God who's on the outside who just wants to get in. But sometimes our hearts are so closed and the gates are so closed, God can't get in. Listen, folks, God can't come into our lives as long as our hearts are closed. So maybe you can identify with this guy in Acts chapter 3. I mean, maybe you can relate in the fact that, I don't know, maybe you think your life is anything but beautiful. You've got scars, we all do. You've got blemishes, we all do. You're defective as we all are. And yet maybe like the man in this story, 
you feel like, you know, I'm really just on the outside. My life's not good enough. Because of the blemishes, because of the scars, because of the defects, I just, I just don't think there's anything beautiful about my life. I don't think there's anything God can do with my life. And so, it's almost as if you stay on the outside, afraid to let God in, afraid to let God work, afraid to let God pour His Spirit into your life. Maybe that's you today. And so the message that Peter preached is the same today. We just need to give God our lives. We need to repent. We need to turn from evil. As we read all throughout the book of Acts, we need to be baptized into the name of Jesus because there's power in that name. And so I ask you today, will you repent of your sins? Will you turn to God? Will you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Will you allow God to pour His Spirit into your life today and make your life beautiful? you need to respond to the invitation, I'll meet you down front. If you'd like to meet with our shepherds in a private way, you can... Go to the back of the auditorium. Would you let Jesus make your life beautiful today as we stand and sing?